0: I am a talking man. Today, on From A to Ziggy, Signet Committee. Welcome to you from us at From A to Ziggy. The name by which I call myself is Thomas Butler. And my name is Travis. No last name because I'm too cool for that. And and, and uh, this is the podcast where we listen to every single David Bowie song in alphabetical order. And today we're talking about Signet Committee.
1: The Signet Committee is now in session. Shall we read back the minutes from the previous meeting of the Signet Committee? Uh, 3.57. Honk and be terrifying. <laughs> 3.58. Honk and continue to be terrifying. 3.59. Lunch break. 3.60. Honk and be a little terrifying. Well, sorry, swans, terrifying. And we live in a city that like celebrates them. Yeah, we have swan boats. We have swan boats. We have the Trumpet of the Swan book that was based here in Boston. We have uh,
0: Harvard University at which Nicholas Nassim Taleb, author of Black Swan
1: is associated. So I guess, is, I guess that's pretty much all we've got for swans. Yeah. But still, it's way more than logic would dictate. Anyway, I like, I like uh, what's his name? The guy that directed
0: that movie, Black Swan. Whose name I can't remember. I can't remember. I like it. him a lot, but I don't know his name. He directed Pie. That was a fun movie. Because it, it, was, it was delicious. Pie I is delicious. Signet Committee. *Signa Committee.
1: So this is uh, off the first official David Bowie album. David Bowie.
0: The second eponymous album. Yes. The first Phillips album. Known affectionately as Space Oddity. A breakup letter with the hippie movement
1: mm-hmm. altogether.
0: It is David Bowie's disenchantment, disillusionment with the hippie ideals and the corruption of said ideals to capitalism and sloganeering and... All the slaves to the machine. The love machine. This is, a, this is a rather dark song. It is a very long, rather dark song. Long. Yes, very it long. Is,
1: it, is, it is rambling. It is, it is. Uh, Bob Dylan-esque. Yeah, it is. It's like a less cohesive hurricane. It's about Bowie's
0: experience with the Beckenham Arts Lab, the uh, artistic collective that he began with uh, Mary Finnegan, his collaborator, partner. They, ha- they have this thing going on in the back of a pub. You know, they would, they would get together and have
1: artistic happenings. So basically, if someone says to you, picture a hippie art collective, Close your eyes. It's basically exactly what you would picture. Reading about it, I feel like my picture is... I can't say I was there. I'm not a time traveler. Not yet. But I'm fairly certain if you close your eyes and picture that scenario, it is pretty close to what actually happened.
0: So think folk songs. Think lounging. Think mime. Think uh, light shows. Think dramatic readings of poetry yeah. and snapping of fingers and that's that's pretty much what the Beckenham arts lab was like bowie and the rest of the company were trying to promote artistic expression creativity collaboration and bowie over time felt that it was starting to become the david bowie show as he called it you know he would get up and do a thing perform a song or do whatever and the rest of the group would be sort of passive and just just an audience, more or less, and not not so active in the group. Eventually, the, uh, the Arts Lab put together this free festival in early fall of 1969, and there were musical performances, there was a stage. Bowie performed, I think, at 5.30 in the morning, and played some songs, because uh, it was an overnight kind of thing. And uh, Angie Bowie had a hamburger stand that was hosted out of a wheelbarrow, if I read that correctly. <laughs> God um, damn hippies. <laughs> I might be wrong about that. Uh, You're probably not, though. But I'm probably not. So yeah, after this free festival, uh, Bowie, he was in a bad mood at this time. His father had just died. And he was taking it pretty badly. He said he was in a pretty foul mood, and uh, and he was starting to get fed up with the whole Arts Lab thing, too. And uh, soon after the free festival, he wrote this this song, Signet Committee, which is named after the meetings that they would have uh, for the Arts Lab. And it is about his, his disenchantment with that whole movement and how it, w- it just became stoned hippies coming to see the David Bowie show instead of promoting actual creativity and artistic
1: expression. This one didn't grow on me as much as I really wanted it to. So I feel like, I mean, even the the music is, there's a lot of layers to it and it is fairly intricate, but it's also very repetitive, which if you're gonna have a nine and a half minute song, It's got to have more twists and turns or something, or at least if it's going to be doing the same thing, just be more engaging. And this is a nine and a half minute song. If you pared it down to like four and a half, five minutes, it'd probably be a better song. This is a song that suffers from just over, over overstuffing. It's too bloated. It's too much going on. Hmm. Too much happening, not enough going on, I guess is is how I would put it. Too much happening. That's exactly how Bowie was feeling with the Arts Lab too. But I think it suffered like, he just wanted to leave every single line in. But after a while, it's because very long-winded. You, know, you probably could pair some of it out and still get the same effect. I
0: heartily disagree. Huh? I feel like every line, as much as I described it previously as rambling, I feel like every line contributes to the cumulative effect of ramping up the drama of this song, the drama of Bowie's disenchantment. It all adds together because he's... This is a guy that's so fed up that he's going to list every single sin that this movement has committed, and hold them accountable to every single one. I don't
1: know. Yeah, it just it just seemed to go on. I just want more to be happening with the music, like it does. Like it, there's a couple parts where it looks like it's going to kind of just turn and end up on this journey. Like I, I've been walking around with all the Mad Men stuck in my head all day because that was like my thinking of like a long. Like I mean, it's not quite as long. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's like four minutes shorter than this one, but by. Pop song stands it's kind of long, and it takes all these weird twists and turns that keep you guessing and wondering what's going to happen next. Whereas this it does basically just kind of do the same thing for almost the whole song, mm-hmm. slight changes here and there, but you just always want it to kind of build towards something different and exciting. And it just kind of keeps chugging along and it keeps rambling and um, like
0: like some ten minute songs have seem to have movements that they proceed through. Yeah, like say station to station or. Black Star. Black Star. Which, Eleven
1: engaging minutes.
0: Which goes through some changes and then returns back to the way it began. So there's some repetition there, but it still has this evolution that you follow, and it's it's a sort of a gradual evolution from from one stage to the next. Whereas yeah. this has basically three segments. Yeah. To it, and it's it's a kind of a verse pre-chorus. Chorus, or chorus, pre verse, verse, more or less, and then repeat. Where the verse, verse one and verse two, they're very different in length. Verse two is much different, much longer. But the choruses are pretty much similar. You know, yeah. It starts out with the bless you madly part, tie my shoes, love you badly, all that. Because of you, I need to rest, because it's you that sets the test. And over the first chorus you hear the chatter you hear this sort of very faint chatter going on in the background that's the committee itself that's the signet committee that's the arts lab group getting together settling in there's still there's still conversations going on as the artist is is starting to present their piece and then they settle down and segment two the sort of a pre-chorus or pre-verse this transition from one section to the other So much is gone, little is new. Sort of a lamenting kind of sound to to this part of the song. And he introduces a character. And this character is going to give you their perspective on things. And this character is the thinker. The thinker sits alone, growing older. And so bitter. So bitter. And it's going to get much more bitter as the song goes on. So this is the perspective of the thinker. He says, I gave them life, I gave them all. They drained my very soul dry. I gave them all this stuff and I I had all these you know, strong ideals and they just sort of sat by passively and they nodded their heads and and grinned and thought, hey, this is great. This is groovy, man, but didn't really do anything with it. I opened doors that would have blocked their way. I braved their cause for very little pay. I didn't really do get, get you know, reimbursed for this, all this effort that I put into it. And uh, what do we have to show for it? These, you know, stoned hippies, just sort of nodding and grinning. And that's the perspective of the thinker. That's his first bitter uh, expression.
1: I mean, as it, go- as it goes on, like you almost expect him to be like, and whenever someone would finish off the soda, they wouldn't go out and buy more. We would just be wanting more soda and it would be gone and the utility should have been split like 10 ways. But this dude here hangs out all the time and he's not paying anything. Like it just kind of felt like it just got so long winded. And you're just like, all right, man, I get it. You're pissed. These hippies are a bunch of leeches. I got you, man. In the course of a year, Bowie has uh, gone
0: from mod to hippie and then completely gotten disenchanted with the whole hippie thing. And this is his good riddance to hippiedom as well. Pretty quick sort of change. This song, for me, embodies everything that I resent as a member of my generation about the generation and generations preceding mine and the legacy that they have left and the squandered opportunity that they they had towards making actual cultural
1: change. And... You're not you're not talking about baby boomers, are you? I am talking about the baby boomers, <laughs> yes. Yeah, they should be way cooler with all you know, all their counterculture nonsense that they were coming up with back in the day. Yeah, what happened? Yeah. The, I'll tell you what happened. I'll tell you what happened, is is all the
0: stuff in this song. All the slogans and the commercialism that sort of appropriated this the hippie stuff, the, all the smiley face pins and the you know uh, this happens, and all the stuff that happens in uh, Forrest Gump that ruins, you know, the post yeah. unam generations uh, processing of of everything that's happening in the world, and all that stuff just sort of gets cleaned up and washed and presentable in in a product that's digestible, and it, it becomes you know watered down and and less important. It doesn't it doesn't have the same message that it was intended to have, and that's the Kind of thing that i think
1: this song is railing against but here's the thing and it, 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 I'm, i might might blow your mind a little bit with this Okay, go for it so ultimately though he kind of follows that trajectory anyway with his career we did mention last a f- couple episodes ago that bowie does ultimately sell out at some point yeah he kind of represents exactly what happened with that generation where they were kind of like let the freak flag fly and do all these things as he was doing through his like ziggy years and being wild and experimental. But by the time the 80s hit, he, his, his music was the equivalent of like yuppie processed 80s culture. Just cocaine and triple, trickle down economics at its finest. Just like just so, selling your soul to the machine. Exactly, the
0: love machine. This song is Bowie imitating Bob Dylan and Bob Dylan's uh, warning against following Leaders And this song, uh, I'm, I think I'm cribbing this from Nicholas Pegg's book, this song is Bowie's extension of that, don't even follow alternative leaders, gurus and spiritual leaders, don't follow movements like the hippie movement, don't think that uh, the Beatles and, you know, all we need is love is gonna solve all your problems, because it's not. It's all ultimately pretty shallow. And I think the lesson as you, because, as you mentioned, Bowie does ultimately sort of go back on all of this. He becomes, he becomes his, all the things that he's railing against here. I think the lesson here is young people don't listen to old people. Young people have, <laughs> have all the ideals and uh, all the things that they need yeah. to find happiness, to find meaning in their lives. Once you become past you know, a certain age, you become sort of cynical and you settle into a way of life that doesn't have those same ideals. And these are ideals that are worth pursuing. You know, not to denigrate any of these, because uh, I think what this song is saying is that the intentions were good. They just sort of collapsed under two things. The invasion of commercialism into the movement, and secondly a kind of laziness or a a need to be led you know, and, and insufficient leadership to sort of codify what it was exactly that they wanted. Was it socialism, or was it individual freedom, or was it... <laughs> because it's like a combination of the two things, and it's all very confused. Uh, so that's, that's what this song embodies for me, is the failure of that movement, the promise, and the squandered promise of, of that whole thing.
1: Yeah, But then, if you say here is a nine and a half minute David Bowie song, railing against counterculture and trying to guide the way to the future what you expect and what you get aren't quite the same like you, again I, I I was expecting like twists and turns and you know that structure of like verse, chorus verse, wait what the hell just happened, Where? why are we here now, why is this doing this, back to verse chorus, wait what's this other new different thing that's happening now where you just kind of it keeps you interested and engaged and and it's funny because I didn't notice until it was pointed out to me in one of the articles I was reading about the song. But the beginning, and you can really tell in the live version from the BBC, it nicks the bass lines and kind of the feel of the beginning of uh, Led Zeppelin, Your Time Is Gonna Come. Hmm. Which is a, another like, whenever I think about long songs, Led Zeppelin is one of the first things that pops into my head because they write amazing like eight, nine minute songs. And your timing is going to come as another like really long Zeppelin song that it's just keeps you engaged. And it's just very interesting the whole time. It doesn't have a lot of twists and turns, but it's just it's engaging.
0: Um, when you went into the song, did you go into it having seen the time stamp, having seen oh nine and a half minute Bowie song?
1: Yeah, I pulled it up on Spotify.
0: This is going to be interesting. Yeah, that I think is a mistake. I think that I think it might be a it might be a failing of the way that we digest music it may be because when i first heard this song it was you know just playing the the album all the way through and not really looking at my win window because that's when that's when <laughs> this was and not seeing oh we're we're five minutes into the same song because it just it feels like a progression it, it builds and builds and builds and it's all part as when you listen to it as part of the album you know it's all these folky songs that sort of blend into one another and it becomes this whole like larger work I think it works in that context, as part of the whole hour of music, uh, it just happens to be a big chunk of that hour. You know, it, If you're paying attention to the words, which, granted, you can't always do, you know, sometimes you need to have music in the background. This is not really a background song, no. this is a song that you need to be listening to, reading along to, and digesting. Uh, there's so much great stuff here, like, uh, as the love machine lumbers down Desolation Road. there's a Bob Dylan quote there. It's this image of the whole, this whole movement that's gone out of control, moving on its own, gotten beyond the control of the people that are behind it, or the people that originally supported it. It's literally killing them, plowing them back down, man, woman, and child, and they're not hearing what it's saying. It's, it's, you know, spouting out all these slogans and they're not hearing anymore because they're dead. But you know what is, you know what is making noise, is the shrieks of the old rich. It's the people in power, you know, the people with the money. They still, they still control things. The, the capitalists that have injected, you know, money into the, the marketable parts of the movement, they're enjoying this. Yeah, they're as not, happens with all movements. They're not getting hurt. But the rest of the thing is imploding on itself. And, uh, and that's what Bowie's reacting to here. Um, signet committee. Signet committee. Jaunty little number. Interesting thing about Signet Committee. I'll go back to something we said a couple episodes ago. This little song called "Chingaling." There was the uh, the love theme to "Chingaling." You may remember, which Bowie recycled into the bridge of "Save Your Machine." The love theme to "Chingaling" reappears in this song in an altered form. Instead of playing it note for note as it's written on the page, he reverses it as if you were taking a tape and playing it backward, reverses that whole sequence and it becomes a part of the song. So the parts where he introduces characters, the thinker, and then when he says, my friends talk, this ethereal part with all the echoey vocals, this is actually the love theme to Chingaling played backwards. And I'm going to cue it up for you so that you can hear this, Travis. So, with Chingling, you know, we had the love theme. It was love that, that bind, bound the two lovers together, love and music. And that whole, that whole thing was, was, was bringing these two people together and fulfilling their longing for connection with people. And here, Bowie takes it and reverses it, and it becomes the symbol of an idealism of a love that's been warped and is imploding under powers that are that are not supporting it. That's the form that, that the love theme takes here. A uh, kind of perversion yeah of that love, that idealism.
1: So hope I've cheered you up here. Yeah. This has been a cheery cheery episode about murdering hippies and fascism and impending doom. Um, well then,
0: shall we rate it? I've been struggling today thinking about how I would rate this song because it's there's there's so much of it that I like, and yet I'll admit I've skipped it at times, and I gave Chingling a five, but I don't think I, I don't think I just get into it as much as I get into Chingling, so I got to give this like a
1: four, four aging hippies, four aging hippies, yeah. um, yeah I, I I really wanted it to be more. It's not a bad song. it's a great concept for a song. nine and a half minutes of railing against why the hippie movement's not working. But yeah, and then it just at the end of the day it just comes off really clumsy and clunky at times and it's just too even even the like the complaints he's levying against against this hippie sometimes feel like he's saying it too literal. You just kind of feel like you're just re- hearing someone complain about why their roommates suck. so I, I would give this song a three. it's not bad, but it's not. I was, you know, I went into it expecting a five. So maybe it's my, my own deal. But, yeah, I would give this song three aging hippies. Middling. Middling. Middling with the hippies. That's going to do it for uh, Signet Committee. And, in fact, that's going to do it for the Cs. This was the, the C season finale. The season finale, as it were. Um, don't, uh, don't get me too excited or I might seize up. Yeah. Just because we're done with the C's doesn't mean we're going to not keep playing some music. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. So we need someone to just keep spinning those records. Hey there, DJ. Let's keep You're playing, keep it, you're playing keep my rolling. song. Uh, I can hear
0: so many songs right now in my head. Give, yeah, give your DJ, DJ some love because, you know, it's not as easy as it looks. No. And uh, your DJ will tell you as much. And we'll tell you as much next time on For Me To Ziggy because we'll be analyzing and dissecting the song DJ. Yeah. Next time on For Me To Ziggy. Until then, you can follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. You can send us an email at Ziggycom You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play where you can also leave a rating and a review. We love those. And we love hearing from you. So uh, get in touch with us on the Facebooks, the Twitters, the emails. And, uh, I don't know, call us on the phone. Find our Instagrams and uh, tenders and uh, friendsters and myspaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on all of those. Uh, all for of days. Days. Yeah. Uh, until then, my
1: name's Thomas. My name's Travis. Uh, tune in and drop out, kids. Yeah. True